Thanks for joining me today on this episode with my dad and brother, where we discuss cancel culture, how it might possibly originate from the family and definitely causes harm to us personally and our relationships and really prevents us from connecting and understanding other people. I hope you listen all the way through because this is a really good one and definitely subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes. I'm Annalise Lucero, and this is The Good, The Bad, The Family. Thank you guys for joining me this morning. I'm really, um, I'm really excited that we could find time in our really busy schedules and our crazy life to be together. And I, I had some ideas for how today was going to go, but I think it, I just, I was watching the morning show season two with Nathan for like the one day that we high-fived each other between these trips. So we, we watched a couple episodes and to me, it just seemed like, I know people reported and like said, oh, it's so woke. Season two was too woke for me or whatever. I don't know. I just feel like it really, to me, it was like highlighting. It was right before COVID hit in the show's timeline and how like cancel culture was such a big, like that was when I think it was starting to affect everybody, right? Like people who had not normally. So anyway, one of the characters, the weatherman in the show, he um, was saying something about an animal being his spirit animal, but he's Cuban, not Native American. And so people were, you know, canceling him or, or really highlighting that he was appropriating culture and he didn't understand. And then I just started thinking like, there's gotta be a lot of people who just don't understand some of the reasons why they're being canceled. And then I, I personally think some reasons why people get canceled are because other people don't understand. So I kind of wanted to bring this up and then hopefully also talk about how this really affects families and how we can cancel family members, you know, out of the family. Like you're no longer welcome because you don't subscribe to what we believe. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Just kind of out the gate. I'll let dad, you can go ahead first. <laughs> I don't have any, I have no thoughts on cancel culture. I, I actually see cancel culture as an entirely bad form of harassment. Uh, it's supposed to silence people, anyone who ventures outside of whatever the heck their woke rhetoric is. You know, it doesn't matter what side you're on because I think it's being played by both sides. But it, but but it's but I think there's and there's so many different levels of of canceling people, you know, the way that people call out and there's some good forms and some bad forms, you know, and uh, and so I don't know. I think um, uh, I think it's so wrong to do it the way that we're doing it now. I think mm. originally it was really intended, I think if I remember correctly from like a year and a half ago, I thought it was intended. It was like a black movement from like the seventies or eighties. I mean, that's how old cancel culture is like, like, you know, um, financially hurt people that are when it was a black thing, financially hurting people that were uh, being racist, you know? And then, and then that kind of became like today, like you think about like, um, I, either Epstein or Weinstein, one of those guys, like, like, you know, can't trying to cancel him because of the things he did of, of a sexual nature, you know? So it's kind of that's like one of those Weinstein. Weinstein. That's Weinstein. Uh, I, I never can seem to get those two guys correct. 
Um, you know, but whether you're canceling a, a celebrity or a, po- a politician or a business, you know, I just think <laughs> canceling somebody because you disagree with them is is one canceling somebody the way that it's being done is bad canceling them like saying i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna buy anything from those people cool we all have the right to do that hell i vote i i canceled the nfl for two years you know Mm -hmm. so it it just is i don't know i want to hear nick i'm I'm talking too much i'm rambling (laughs) (laughs) you know for for me it's it's it truly is a double-edged sword right like you can use the example of harvey weinstein and yeah, like this guy was a predator in uh, mm. Hollywood that that preyed on not just young women, but just people in general, you know, right? So like, that's an example of, yeah, we should not support what he was making. But then in the process of that, there's all these people that were abused in, the, in those projects that suffered through that abuse. And, and that is their, uh, you know, that's they they created these amazing pieces of artwork despite this monster preying on them, you know? So it's like, should we cancel all his movies that he was a part of? No, I don't think so. But mm-hmm. it's it goes both ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think the biggest issue is that it's, it, it's, it's, it's like kind of a, a cop-out in a sense because these are hard discussions. These are hard conversations mm-hmm. to have with people that have grossly different opinions. And sometimes like the example you used of the spirit animal, mm-hmm. sometimes people just need to be educated on why that's grossly inappropriate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's a, that's like a great example because I, I mean, I say spirit animal all the time, or, you know, I feel things on a spiritual level just because I'm not native American doesn't mean I can't feel things spiritually. It, you know, it's like, so it's, or it doesn't mean that I can't be tied to the earth or I can't, or I can't be tied to the animal kingdom and, and feel connected to, to certain parts of the world. That's the whole point, right? We're all trying to get back to that level. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a really, it just, I feel like it, it's a cop out to not have the hard conversations of why these things are really culturally sensitive, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I really like how both of you are kind of exploring this idea, which is like a difference between accountability and then being canceled, right? Like holding a criminal accountable for their behavior and and saying like, we'll no longer support you and your business because you've broken the law and harmed people. That's like accountability. That's not cancel culture. And so I think like from like Weinstein to Bill Cosby, even like just horrible people in the world it's like these celebrities sometimes even these like instagram famous people when you start seeing their real life and how they're harmful to their children or they've broken the law or they steal money or whatever like yeah i just can't support you anymore but i find it interesting because i think about like how do we decide what is cancelable can cancelable can like what deserves cancellation right because even if we kind of take that oh i'm holding you accountable look at martha stewart martha stewart was a criminal who you know broke the law and did, did all that stuff with the stock exchange and illegal trading and all that i don't know the details but insider insider trading insider yeah. trading thank you and and she went to prison and did her time and then came out and had has still a very successful career um and she wasn't canceled you know, so like, how do we decide what is 
Well, deserving so, of cancellation. Cancellation. Dude, air quotes. dude, it's so true. Like it's, and it happens so fast, doesn't it? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's incredible how quickly somebody can, can just really get the ax from, from society. I also just like want to clarify, I do not in any way compare what Martha Stewart did to like Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein. I'm just saying that like, what is our measure? I'm asking the question, like, how do we measure the degree of harm that a person in power causes and when they deserve to be canceled or when they deserve to have that opportunity to like be held accountable, learn and grow, and then be welcomed back into society. So, so I, so I think, I feel like what you just said is, is like kind of the crux of the whole problem. Cancel culture, culture used to almost be relegated entirely to uh, um, things like sexual sexual concerns, sexual issues, predator issues, things like that, or uh, uh, racism. You know, those were those were cancel culture issues. But then you, you step into the political realm, you know, with the new election, and you think about the guy. The uh, in fact, me and mom were just talking about it this morning. The my pillow guy has a had a like a, a long commercial, and I was like, man, that dude got totally canceled. Try they tried to cancel him. He just has he has a really good product, and you can't cancel the product. But then you think about other other people, like J.K. Rawlings. You know, look what they did with her. Like, mm-hmm. That is totally totally uh, not fair. So boycott her by not buying her books, but. Because she, she because she she had a, a a certain view on she and it wasn't even a, a a horrible view on transgender issues. She was just more talking about are these trans are these transgender issues and the way they're addressed going to harm women's women's rights issues. I think that's that's how she kind of talked about it. Was women's rights issues, and then you have that dude. Um, I don't even know what his name was. I think he was Hispanic. The guy, the Goya Foods guy who supported Trump and then they tried to cancel his whole business. Like, like where, where's the fine line? I mean, you don't like a person politically, so you're going to cancel everything they do. San Francisco, Nick, your area of the world, uh, kind of canceling uh, schools by changing the names of schools named after Washington and Jefferson and Lincoln. Like, I mean, that's all part of that whole cancel culture thing. San Francisco, I think it might not. People might not agree with that, but San Francisco also canceled crime. So, you know, they're just like, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Good point. Um, I do think, though, like, I think it is, Dad, a very, like, multi-layered issue. And I think that you really bring attention to that because the examples that you gave are all very different and all, like, hit people very differently and can be concerning in many different ways, right? And so like, I think in this effort to make space for all people to feel safe, it's this balance of like, if I remove something that has previously made someone feel safe to make room for somebody else to feel safe, then like, am I, am I creating a safe place for everyone or am I still isolating another group of people? And I think that's why there's this like movement of, and I, I swear you guys, I, I don't subscribe to like a lot of conservative news, even though I am like a registered Republican and I consider myself conservative in some ways, but very socially, like very liberal. Um, I watched this video uh, uh, with, you know, elections and things happening right now in this time um, and people really gearing up to campaign for the 2024 election. I watched this video of a group of conservatives, like 
in power names talking about how like the special ingredient to the world is young white men. And they were all chanting Putin. They were all chanting Putin, go Russia. Like they're American citizens in power. These people are politicians in power. I mean, what's her name? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like she is in power talking about this stuff, chanting go Putin and talking about how white men are. But I think that is that is a result of culture and society not finding a balance of how to create a safe place for everybody. Like we did, Nick, Nick, oh, we rushed into this. We rushed into this cancel culture. We rushed into, into change and reform and progress in a way that I don't think people were ready for. And maybe it was because of COVID or maybe it was because the internet, but like we really are creating this new world. And there's this group of people that are, I think probably around your age, dad, that are stuck between the old people who fought in World War II and these young millennials and Gen Z people who are like ready for change because our life moves so fast because of the internet. Like we want change. We want it now. We're going to get it now. And we don't care who we leave in the dust. And unfortunately, there's a big population of people who like in your group that support Trump, that support conservative beliefs that feel like they're being left in the dust, whether they are or not, I think is irrelevant. Like they feel they are being left in the dust and they feel like they're being um, forced to believe things or, or support things that they don't agree with. And so I think we have to address that and cancel culture does not address that. I don't know what the right way is, but I think like just simply saying, well, you can't be that way is not helpful. I don't, I don't, I don't agree that people should have platforms to chant for Putin, <laughs> but I do think that like, we have to say, why are they doing that? And then find an answer to that question. Yeah, I agree. Uh, also, God, how, how awful is that? Just to think about is, is really awful. Just, I was just watching some stuff on Ukraine this morning and just, <clears throat> That's it's really devastating that anyone in America could support what's going on over there in any capacity is it's devastating. But um, I think one of the biggest issues with cancel culture is that it's polarizing. So mm -hmm. it's kind of it's like this pendulum that keeps swinging back and forth. And like dad said, um, it, it uh, swings both directions. You know, everyone's mm -hmm. kind of trying to use this platform because it is very socially um, uh, influential. Right. So mm -hmm. it's but it's this idea that that we don't have the patience or tolerance to hear people's opinions. Mm -hmm. And we on, as a society, we completely lack the empathy to understand another person's perspective. And mm -hmm. our, our, you talk about the age of the Internet and how things just move so fast. It's really isolated us into this. Um, I'm, I, I am so important. My opinion is so important. Listen to me, hear mm -hmm. me, you know, talk about not being seen. People just want to be seen so badly that they're willing to totally just cancel another person to be important, to piggyback on, oh, well, did you hear Aaron Andrews said this about, you know, other female reporters? She's an awful person. 
but there's never any context given to it. You know, we don't get to hear Aaron Andrews's perspective. She's just fired from ESPN and removed from sideline reporting and, you know, knocked off her, her America's dance show or whatever. Right. Like all of these things. And it was like overnight. And so I just think that it's a really scary precedent to, to be set. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know you got, you talked, you spoke a little bit about this with Matthew uh, in one of your previous podcasts, but um, you know, it's, it's the same thing. And, and I think that I've grown so much as a human being, but I look at <laughs> and screw you Facebook um, for bringing up these memories of crap. I posted, uh, you know, 14 years ago or 15 years ago. And, and it's like, man, I, I would never, that's not even remotely the person I am today. Yeah. I would never, I don't even, I would never even, I can't even believe I thought that way. And, and, and so with cancel culture, you just completely lack the ability to grow together as, as Mm -hmm. a community or society or culture or, or anything. It's just, it's, it's not healthy. No. First off, hang on. I got to ask a question. Nick, did, did I miss something? Did that really happen to Aaron Andrews? That really did happen to Aaron Andrews, yeah. Oh, wow. That totally missed that. Did not, I have not heard. We don't watch that much news, so it's kind of weird. Uh, okay, sorry, Annalise, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. I do think that, like, even just your reaction of being like, wow, that's shocking, is just a testament to how, like, rapid and quick these things happen and how shocking they can be. But I really like what you're saying, Nico, because I do think that, like, being more connected and being more tolerant of other people is what we as, like, human beings are created for we're created for connection we were made from science to spirituality to religion like all facets of our being support the idea and the evidence that we are made to connect with other human beings we are made to connect with each other and i think that when we feel disconnected we're hurting and we and we don't have the skills to reconnect with people i see this in my work as a relationship therapist um you know, and, and I think that we're seeing this in the greater scale of like the population. I, I don't know what the answer to this problem is. I know that in our family, we really try to um, be different from the way that society is right now. And we really try to connect and try to understand each other. Uh, You give, everyone has the space to speak. That's the Mm -hmm. difference is that whether your opinion is like, batshit crazy or your opinion is like super articulate and spot on and everyone agrees with it you have space to talk and and you and we give you space to listen as well you know and so as long as you're willing to to try and come in with an an open heart there's a space for you to grow and learn and develop but you have to you have to also participate in that space giving and so mm-hmm. i i think that I don't think our family is insanely unique in that capacity, but we are very educated. And I think that that helps, you know, every single member of our family has higher education. That's fucking nuts. That's you know, <laughs> props, props, dad on that one, you know, but um, because, you know, that's the real path is, is understanding grand perspectives from history, right. And understanding how to dissect relevant information, how to build an argument, how to develop a thought from, you know, a seedling to a full grown plant. We are very, very good at that. And so I think that that does make us, you know, slightly unique, but 
there's so many families across this country and I'm, I'll only talk about this country really, but there's so many families across the United States that uh, have, you know, really beautiful family relationships and have, you know, great family dynamics and love and support each other. And they are still going through the same things, right? Like of, of accepting cancel culture and varying opinions and differences politically, because that's just part of the American perspective sociologically. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just think that we, we as a society have to hold space for each other to, to be able to listen. And sometimes that's the hardest part is shutting up and listening and actually listening, not just like, okay, are you done? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Let me get in there. Let me get in there now. Let me just shout at you my opinion instead Mm -hmm. of actually, instead of actually listening, like, okay, damn, like that is a real, I've never thought about it that way. You know, and if yeah. you actually listen, you'll hear you'll hear things, you know. And I think to that part of acknowledging, right, like acknowledging that, OK, that's what you believe. And I think that's what, you know, our family has been really blessed to have is that we all really know ourselves and we're all very different and we celebrate our differences. But I know I'm different from you, Nico, and from you, dad, and from everybody else in the family. And I think that that like celebrating each other's differences makes that space for us to be able to say, that's what you feel, but I know that's not what I feel. Or that's, you know, what you believe about this event and how you want to, you know, approach it in the future. And that's not how I'm going to approach it. And they're both okay. I think the problem in our society is where's the line, right? Like, so if we go back to what dad brought up about JK rolling or rowling, whatever. Um, how, how does, how does that cause harm in the greater picture when we allow the airspace for things like that to be talked about? And I think that's, that's kind of the question that I think as a society and a culture that we're really struggling with is when, when we make space for people to air their beliefs and they're in a position of power, Right. She's she's an amazing author. I love Harry Potter books. I I'm like obsessed, maybe to some people. Um, Does that mean I support what she believes? And then if I give her the space and the airtime to talk about it, does that do harm to people because she's in a position of power and a position of influence? So I think there's that question of like, do we need to cancel people who are hurting others because they're in a position of power? Is that freedom? Is that the American way? Like, I don't know. No, okay, hang, it's really not. All right, hang on. I want to jump in there for a second. I'm not, that wasn't exactly the an, an example I would use a whole lot, but it's, it is kind of relevant. You know, there's a lot of people that believe how she believes, okay? And, and, and I'm not even 100% certain I know exactly how she believes, but I do know that she was never given the opportunity to talk about what she believes. She said what she believed. And then she got blasted. So, and so, so Nick said something else too that like is so important in my life because I don't have a choice. The actively listening piece, like I have to actively listen to people, and and kind of uh, yeah, I, I was like writing all these words that Nick, we have to hold space for each other, actively listen. I mean, you know, we have to acknowledge what someone believes. Those are all things that I have to do on a daily basis because I don't want to be fired for like not doing something correct but but it also is what i do with my family too i and so so i kind of i think somebody i think they call it calling in you're you're calling in so you're you're like 
one-on-one with a person. So like Annalise, how many times have you texted me when I say something really bad and, and you, and you text me, do you text the whole group and say, God, dad's an idiot. This is what he said. No, I said it probably to the whole group, but you text me and you say, dad, what did you mean by that? Cause you sound like an idiot. Okay. Yeah. So you said the same thing, but you said it to me. I kind of call that like one-on-one. You're like one-on-one calling it in. Okay. Then, then there's that calling somebody out and boy, we see that all day long on social media, but, but Nick, even as you, you're in, in your position and Annalise, especially Annalise, I, because you do so much virtual work, those conversations, when you have those one-on-one conversations face to face, they are so entirely different than they are when they're done over a phone or done over a virtual meet. When they're face to face, you can you can, I don't know. I feel like you you hear a person better. You know, you can actually look them in the eye and kind of know, they know you're listening to them, and and it's all of that. But man, I mean, the whole cancel thing, like ruining people's reputations, ruining their lives. I feel like sometimes, sometimes I even say stuff that like is like cancel culture. And I should just shut up, but I say it anyway, but I kind of am about boycotting versus canceling, you know, and, and, and I did use social media to, to do a lot of that. I mean, I mean, there was that time, there was a time when I had a lot of followers on Twitter and it was all about talking shit, talking smack. And, and now I don't do any of that anymore. And it's so much better. Now I just try to have, you know, like one-on-one conversations and I don't even, I'm not even on social media hardly at all because mm-hmm. I don't want to be, you know, social media, like is really, said, social media is really toxic. No, no doubt. Nick, and you said something, you know, you, you talked about your example of like whatever you were 14 years ago, dude, you can change over time and we got to p- give mm-hmm. people the right to change over time, sure. you know, yeah. and, and listen to what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's this continued conversation, like you're saying, dad, and I absolutely love like the difference between calling in and calling out. I I think I'm going to borrow that from now on, but I think, I think too, um, it's, it's definitely a continued conversation that has to evolve. And I think that um, like, if we, if, if we allow for it to continue to evolve and continue to change and grow and make space, then, then it's good. But I think what's interesting is that fear and the fear of acceptance is such a major part of all of this, right? Like we all want to feel accepted. We all want to feel included. That's what motivates us to jump on bandwagons and have these sort of like delusions about what reality is and and that's why people join gangs and why you know people gossip because it's like they get pulled into wanting to feel connected to other people it's sociological it is our it is our nature it is our nature we can't help it which is why we have to be aware of it like when it's happening and so that we can say hey like wow i'm feeling really lonely which is why i called up these ladies that i know will gossip with me so i can feel connected i need to not do that (laughs) Well, you know, it is a, it's it's a sociological like this. It's this concept sociologically that um, it is it, everyone has this idea that as we were like, you know, whatever, like not cavemen, but we were early humans. Right. And the idea was, is that early humanity was hunter gatherer. Right. And that um, 
obviously men were built differently. The, the males, males were built differently at that time. Right. So then females. And so they would go out and they would hunt and they would get meat. Right. But only about, only about somewhere between five and 10% of their diet was meat. Right. And so this actually meant that 90 to 95% of their diet was foraged food. So the women were actually providing 90 to 95% of, of the, you know, the whole group's food, right. And sustenance. And on top of that, the men would go out and hunt in packs, right. Small packs. And the women would stay back and raise the children and build family structures and family cycles. So, uh, it's this crazy backwards concept that we have that what what is 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 uh, I guess powerful is is actually has never been our physicality. It's always been our ability to interact socially in groups mm-hmm. and to be able to manipulate social structures and to be able to influence people. That is has always for the entirety of humanity been the number one way to achieve power. Now, you know, it's, it's molded and it's taken so many different shapes. And I, you know, if anyone's ever taken a sociology class, you'll learn about stuff like this, but it is really interesting to me though, that how we continue to see that subset and subcultures and how it is such an important part of, of daily human life, you know, it's, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. But where, where is, where is the line? My biggest thing here is, is where is the line? Who do we give this or why do we give this acceptance to some people? I forget what, what the rapper's name, but there was this rapper that just went on like a homophobic tear. And he was just like saying all these crazy homophobic things. And then, you know, all his fans were like, bro, like, no, man, like, no. <laughs> and he's like, you know, then they, they, then, uh, you know, uh, 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 like a really influential queer person. I don't, and I like, again, I, I don't know who it was, but a really influential queer person came and was like, you know, tweeting and saying like, Hey, you know, I would love to have a conversation with you to explain to you why, what you said was, was just grossly hurtful. Right. And so, mm-hmm. and, 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 and so like, but why does, why does that person get the conversation and other people just get the ax. You know what I mean? Like what is, why is that person so much more important? Or why does that person get the opportunity that another person didn't? I think everyone deserves the opportunity, no matter how hard it is, you know, no matter how hard those conversations are, like mm-hmm. we have to, we have to have them. There has to be space for them in our lives and our society and our cultures and in our soci- sociological groups, right? Like it has to happen and we have to be committed to that is like a human race. And that's, that's the hardest part is that people are just too selfish. Well, and I think that like, it's important that as this next generation of people, like our kids and the Gen Z and the whatever's next, like we have to, as adults in their life, show them what it looks like to do this. We have to be prepared to say, Hey, these are difficult conversations. I'm going to pass down the tools for you. That's what I try to do with my kids. Like I can't stop pain, but I can give you the tools to cope with it. I can't prevent these really scary conversations in life, but I can give you tools to communicate. So I think that's really important. And and that's going to be the best way that we can do this as a society is by passing down the skills to do it. So 
while I'm working with adults that have kids and adults that are around my age, I'm realizing adults are learning it as they teach it to their kids. And I think it's kind of, you know, I, I would, I would be curious to th- hear what you think dad about that, about like, you know, these generational changes that are really difficult because you, you know, the way you communicated with us as kids and as you're learning to unlearn that way and, and do a new way with us as adults, it's, it's really different. And so I think sometimes the way that us as your children communicate with our kids, it's like, why are you doing that? Or why are you making room for that? Or, you know, how many times have I heard you say, well, in my day, I would just spank them. I know you don't necessarily mean that, but like in a way, what you're saying is, they shouldn't be talking to you that way or they shouldn't be doing that. But, you know, I know all of us, the four of your children have a different way of parenting in that sense. But I, I do want to say before we go that I like want to, I want to go back a little bit and talk about this um, rap artist that you're talking about, because I think something that's really dangerous. And this goes again to what I was saying about when people have a platform and the ability to influence others like Kanye West how long has Kanye West had a platform to be harmful and hurtful to others and to create this toxic environment that people just continue to support? And I think what we're witnessing is this person who is severely mentally ill. I mean, I know that he's publicly said he's diagnosed bipolar and we're just like watching it. And like, what as a society can we do while we just watch this happen, while we just watch this person use his position of power to cause harm to others, and not do anything about it. It's just so bizarre to me. And I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think? I just think it's so bizarre. What do you, so, so tell me what you think can be done about somebody like a Kanye West. The guy is mega powerful. And and if you think about all, everything about cancel culture, okay. All right. There was a lot of people that tried, even, even people that supported him at one time when he started, when he was like this, Trump fanatic and crazy, you know, he was, there was a lot of people on his side of the fence that were trying to cancel him by ruining his reputation. Then there was, there was people that boycotted him. They find they tried to financially hurt him by not buying his stuff or not buying, buying his whatever. Then there was a crap ton of people that tried to call him out on social media and, and kind of talk smack that way. And, and, and through it all, nothing for that dude really changed much. He's still a mega millionaire. He still makes millions. He still has followers. He has all of that. I think it's almost it's almost a bad example, but not really, because it's a very true example of, of how bad things can be. But, you know, you, you just said something a second ago, Annalise. You said, I can't stop. I'm maybe paraphrasing. I can't stop the pain, but I can give you the skills to deal with it. I think that's kind of mm-hmm. how you said it. You know, and and I think, you know, I hope that you guys never why well, I, I hear you do it, though, but I hear you, all of you guys kind of do it. But the way that we parented you guys, OK, is a lot different than the way that each of you parent and each of you really do parent differently. Mm-hmm. OK, and, and I can sit and I can look at how each of you parent and I can say damn, I like the way that's done. And dang, I don't like the way that's done. But but guess what? It's not up to me. And I don't think I have very many conversations with you guys about how you parent. Because it's because you, ra- you raised smart, independent, free-thinking children that don't well, give a shit what you think. 
Well, okay. Touche. But the thing is, is that it's not my place to say anything to you guys. And so, so if I, I don't know that I've ever had this conversation with any of you, but I guess for me, it would be that calling in thing. If, if I saw something that I didn't like, I feel like I would call it in and have a conversation with you say, Hey, this is what I saw. Please explain to me, not call not call you out in front of everybody, but call you in and say, mm-hmm. Hey, can you just help me understand? Cause I don't understand. I don't, I don't necessarily like, I, I don't really care what people's opinions are. And I don't necessarily try to change their opinions. I have my own opinions and nobody better try to change mine, you know, but, but <laughs> it happens sometimes. And it's just, I think it's just natural. Uh, I kind of got off, off a little bit there but you know you you took this whole thing i don't know how we went from cancel culture to parenting you know because i don't because because i don't see it that way i see each of you guys as having a unique style that works i think it works for each of you but dad and i, I think that parenting that. parenting is connected to cancel culture because everything always goes back to the family if a family is not a safe place where you can connect and feel attachment and feel secure, you're going to look for it in other places. And that's why we see this problem being perpetuated as this people are out in the world looking for attachment, like okay. scientific in your brain, emotional attachment to other people. I'm not talking about like, I'm going to attach to you and be your buddy. Like I'm talking about a feeling of connection that is deep within you, a feeling of being seen and acknowledged and a feeling validation. of safety. Yeah, validation, yeah. Oh. all of that. Emotional okay. attachment. And so if you if you're not getting that in your parent, like in your family, as parents, you're not providing that for your children, they're gonna go out and they're gonna look for it elsewhere. And, and did we provide that for you guys? Sounds like I we mean did. I don't know. You're making it sound like I, I can't in tell various you. ways. I think also yeah. on, on, on a lot of levels, we provided it for, for each other as mm-hmm. well. And that was, you created a space where we could provide it for each other, where we could love each other. And we were disciplined and drilled to respect each other. Um, and we operated that way, but real quick, I want to come back. One, number one, that rapper was the baby. Yes. I said that right. The baby. And the person, the person who, um, was a, you know, a, you know, a queer activist and, and a, a really influential person that was the one that said, I will have these conversations with you was actually Elton John. Um, so just, oh. just to add, you know, to come back and reference well, that. But um, that's a good point because if, if the baby was willing to sit with Elton John and do that conversation, wow, that would be so great for so many people to see and to like experience this, this moment of like, understanding and coming together but that's the difference between people like elton john who are willing to go there and have those hard conversations and kanye west but i don't know like his personal i don't know if he's having these conversations i'm just saying like publicly in the media he's not like he's not seemingly willing to learn he's not seemingly willing to have a conversation about hey like your behavior is really hurtful to people you know or even like jk rowling like Maybe she's having conversations. Maybe she's learning and growing. Maybe she's talking to people and she just hasn't come out with it yet. I don't know. I was, I was definitely like anti pro choice for many years. And then I started doing my work on myself and I started going to school to become a therapist and I learned and it took time. It took time for me to realize that, wow, this is a really harmful belief to be supporting and 
like being an activist on. So yeah, I feel like people can change and it might take a long time, but if they're willing to have those conversations, I support that. I support us witnessing it. I support us seeing them learn and grow and maybe not changing their opinion, but learning how to express it in a way that's not hurtful. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think of like this, like how many years ago was it that, you know, we were segregated as a country, like, Mm -hmm. and we forced those conversations. Like, look, there is, I don't know any way to grow and get better without friction, you know? Mm -hmm. there's there's no way if there's anything I can take from this and I I hope people listening take from this is like if someone's doing something that rubs you the wrong way that hurts you that that you're just like what the heck that was that like hurt me pissed me off or whatever if they're doing that then I my thing is like check in with yourself and then go and like approach them do that call in like dad's talking about like hey like what you said really hurt me and and i'm just checking in so that i don't make an assumption that that's what you meant to do and you know what if they did boom canceled gone like i don't need you in my life (laughs) but if he did it and they're like oh wow that's not what i meant here's what i meant then you engage in a conversation and this kind of brings me to that thing of like how often are people doing this in their families how often are people like making these assumptions that someone said something to intentionally hurt them or whatever. And they're like, I just don't want that person in my life anymore. But when really in in reality, maybe they could have had some kind of connection and conversation about it or found healing in a way that maybe they don't spend time together shopping at the mall, but here's the hardest part though, dude, here's, here's the hardest part is that, is that we've come into, we've kind of graduated to this culture that, says, if you don't agree with me, um, you're my enemy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that is, that's no. a, that's a media trick, right? They've, they've created propaganda structures to, to, to get us that, to feel that way, to divide us. And you can, I mean, people can have all these, you can have wild opinions, right? Uh, like, like being against abortion. You know, like, or, or all of these different things, like whatever the opinion is, like you could not believe in God or, 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 you know, you could believe that, you know, we were ruled by whales and, and, you know, whatever the world's flat, like, I don't care. You can have those opinions and I can still like you and appreciate you and, and enjoy time with you. Right. Like they're two different, they're two different things. But that's a privilege that we have as white people. That's a, that's a privilege. Like to be able to say that if you're these things, I can still be around. What if the person in your family is just straight up homophobic and is like, I won't serve you because you have a husband and you're gay. Like we, it's, it's easy for us as straight white people to be like, Oh, I can accept people in my family for their different beliefs. But, but I think people who are different in a way that can't be changed. I mean, that like, how can you be willing to accept somebody who just straight up believes that you don't have the right to exist? No, but what I'm saying is though, if they're willing to listen, like that's, that's, that's the context of it. Like if they're willing to listen, because look, yeah, you're right. Like, like I just said, we were, we were a segregated country not too long ago. Right. Mm -hmm. But how did we grow and develop? People were willing to listen. 
lots mm-hmm. of people, enough people that it finally changed. Right. Yeah. And this is the same thing with, with uh, gay marriage and gay rights and all of these different things. If we keep talking, eventually enough people will listen that we can say, look, this is the way it should be. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can have those conversations and people are willing to listen if it's, if it's brought to them in the right way and they're taught and they can, they have somebody that has the patience and the empathy to help them understand why their beliefs are so fundamentally wrong or skewed or ass backwards. Right. And so if they're willing to listen, that's the point. And you're right. Like I have an, like an insane amount of privilege. Um, and, and I have my entire life and I live in that, but that doesn't mean that I can't be an ally for people that don't have privilege. And part of having these conversations is being an ally. Yeah, no, I told, yeah. Thank you for making that clarification, Nico. Cause I think you're totally right. Um, I feel like I really understand what you're saying. Yeah. And, I'm curious I mean, what dad thinks because dad's being so quiet and he's the one that's most different from us. So I want to know. <laughs> well, that's a lot of hate, man. You know, I'm going to cancel you. Um, it's pretty good. I knew that joke know. was coming. Hey, I don't even know where to go with any of that. So, so I think about a, a couple of things that you guys just said. One of them, one of them is about the family and, you know, we, I mean, we have a big family for, and I'm not talking about just, me and Angie and our four children and their families and all that talking about going beyond that, you know, my siblings and their families and, and aunts and uncles and cousins and all of that. And, and I don't, I, I feel bad for those families that are so divided that they don't even communicate with each other because they're so divided because, because the bottom line is, is probably they probably like me and Annalise have talked about before, they probably agree on, 90% of 90, maybe even more than 90% of everything in their life, except for like these one or two things. And then they kind of just don't talk to each other. And I, and I'm glad that we're not that way. I'm glad that we can have different opinions. You know, uh, I, I, I think it's kind of awesome. Um, but, but when it comes to like the family and one of you, I think Annalise, you had said something or maybe Nick about, about how, um, good families listen to each other and take the time to try to understand. I think that's what they do. I mean, they try to understand what, what each other's doing or why they feel the way they are. But there are so many families that are so disconnected because they, they don't get together. They don't talk. They don't have those conversations. They're never going to, if they disagree, they're never going to agree because they're never going to sit and talk about it. We at least talk about it and we know our differences and, and we can be respectful of that. You know, um, I, I, I was, I had meant to say something about five or 10 minutes ago about all of that. And so that train of thought kind of went away, but, uh, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean it's easy though. That's the, that's the hardest no, no, no. thing those that people don't understand is that that doesn't mean it's easy to have those conversations. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, we, we get into knockout, drag out yelling matches where we have to take breaks and it gets intense, but mm-hmm. we always come back and we always respect each other's uh, opinions. And it it is not, it is not easy. And it has, it's never been easy okay. to have those conversations. But those are also, it goes back to that. The, the ability to have those conversations is a skill that we're mm-hmm. not born with as people. We're not born with, you know, 
we're not even really born with the, we're born with the capacity of empathy, but we have to learn how to be empathetic. And so I think, you know, just as that, we also have to learn to understand what we're feeling and recognize it and then communicate it. And I mean, that's hard. We're all parents. We all have been around little children. They don't know how to communicate anything. So (laughs) we have to teach them. And if your kids grow up and they never got those skills, yeah, they're going to be really dysfunctional young adults who struggle to communicate what they're experiencing and get their needs met. So I think that it starts in the family. And that's why I feel like family therapy is my passion. And, and this podcast is my passion because it really highlights why the family is so important and why not shunning your children or, or canceling people in your family is so important because when you do that, you don't provide, like you don't provide them a place that's safe. And then it just perpetuates the problem into the greater world of, you know, if you, if you don't like me, then get out. That's what we, that's what those kids learn. My parents don't like what I'm doing, so I can't do that. And I'm going to have to leave. I either don't live as my true self or I leave. That's not the world that we want to create. There's no safety in there. No, none. I mean, can, I mean, so difficult to be a, so difficult to be a, a, a child and not feel safe in the place that you're supposed to feel the most safe. Like, you know, I think that that's, that's who we are as, as parents, the, the four of us, the four children here is um, we're very much uh, people that try to create our home to be the safest space possible. Um, and we've, we've, we've all like, you know, all the, I think of all the various homes that you've lived in and how quickly, um, you work, you you work tirelessly to make that space, uh, a place of expression and freedom and love. Uh, you know, it's, it's awesome, you know, cause you've lived all over the place and every single home you go into you and Nathan work hard immediately to make that. Uh, that feeling to create that feeling in, in the home. And I think that your kids are going to be way better for it. You know? Hey, Hey Nick, don't, don't you feel like what you just said is a little bit about how you lead in your job. You, you allow for people to have an opinion and it makes a difference because many people don't lead like that, you know? And I think it's, it's really hard. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like I, I give people a lot of voice in my school, but ultimately I am the boss. And so if I don't agree with their voice, I'm going to make a decision that I think is best for the school, but I, le- I allow them to have some voice. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like that's the one thing that I saw right away with you, Nick, is that you allowed that, you know? And, and so, and it's important that we listen. And I think I have so many family members that don't listen to other members of their family. And because they have different opinions mm-hmm. and, and it shouldn't be about the number. It shouldn't be that, you know, I got 10 people that believe in me and only two that don't. So, you know, screw the two people, you know, we should always be able to listen and, 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 and listen to their opinions. You guys all have way different opinions than me. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I semi allow you to have opinions. sometimes. <laughs> well, isn't that just the truth though, dad, is that like, like the way you're kind of describing and, and showing the, the hierarchy of the family, right. Which is like the, the, the similar to like a job structure, right? Like you have management, you have bosses, you Mm -hmm. have leadership that make decisions and they can Mm -hmm. either take influence from others or not. So I, I really like uh, nurturing parenting 
And that's really about like values and empathy and nurturing um, children. And it's very similar to what you're talking about, which is everybody has their, their feelings and their experience, their thoughts, their opinions, and it's a safe place for them to express that. And in some job situations, it's not like, you know, and that just depends on the structure of the job and what's required to get the job done and all that, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's interesting to me that you would say, and I know you're joking in in a sense, like you're joking, but many people say these things and they're not joking. Like you said, I allow you to have a, you know, your own opinion, but I'll tell you, dad, that in many families, the parents do not allow their children to have their own opinion. And so I think that it's important that like, as that's a joke, it's a joke that comes from somewhere because that's a reality for a lot of kids. They feel something like my kids moving around a lot and having to deal with so much loss and grief. And if, if they're feeling pain and I can't handle it and I'm like, <laughs> No, no, you can't feel that way. Like, get out of here. Don't, you have to be happy. Be grateful for what you have. That, like, canceling our emotions, talk about cancel culture, right? Like, canceling your emotions because, no, you have to show gratitude and be happy for what you have. Like, that to me is the biggest way of saying you're not welcome here. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, you as a person are not welcome here because I can't handle you. And I can't. There's no space for that. Right. And I've heard parents say that so many times, like out in public at basketball games, at parks, whatever school where they're like, I can't handle you right now. Oh my God. That's like the biggest way of saying, get like, you are a problem in my life. You need to change or you got to go. We just talked about this the other day. And, uh, and at least we were texting back and forth because, uh, I was actually at, uh, my daughter's gymnastics class. Right. And, um, so we're texting back and forth because I heard this kid and his son, I don't know. A kid was probably maybe two, right? He's like, he's like crying. And his dad is like, stop crying. Like, what do you do? Stop crying. Shut up. Stop crying. And, and, uh, and, and then he's like, he's like, I tell you what, I'll, I'll, you know, when we get home, I'll let you do this. If if you stop crying and act like a, a man. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, no, like, like to the point where I'm like, this is, this is so awful. Like I just, I, I, I had to actually, I actually had to leave because I'm just like, this is, this is one of the most, Oh, that poor child. You know, you're just like, he's two years old. Don't you ever just want to go up to people? And I never do. I would never do this, but I want to do this. I want to go up and tap them on the shoulder and be like, Hey, um, did you know you're causing like serious nervous system damage to your child and that they're less likely to be like, good at sports and academics and test taking and like having healthy relationships in the future. Like, don't you just like not want to do that? I just really, I, Oh man, that's so hard, Nico. That's terrible. I, I do. I do agree that uh, when you, you know, you talk about, we were raised in a, in a safe space. When, when I say that our, when we were children, our basic human needs were taken care of. You know, and, and that is a, that's a, that's a privilege again, um, that so many people don't grow up with. Uh, and, and so we always had that foundational piece, um, Mm -hmm. to, 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 to kind of build us up, you know, we, we all, and we all are very good at 
at physically taking care of ourselves and kind of being in tune with our, our bodies and our needs and stuff and being able to seek help and resources when we don't feel well. Um, so we, we've all had that. And I think that that's one of the most important things that you can give to a child. Uh, and then next, you know, we talk about the freedom uh, of speech and conversation and ideas and the ability to grow. And, you know, like we talk about, uh, you know, we all have vastly different parenting strategies and styles. I have uh, very much the style where I refuse to keep secrets from my mm -hmm. child. Uh, you know, and people, people can say or think, you know, oh, there's some things kids don't need to know and that's okay. You, you can totally, you're totally entitled to your opinion, but the relationship that I have with my daughter is if she has a question, I'm going to answer the question to the best of my ability. And, and like, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. The other day we, we were in a bathroom and there was the, the bathroom fan and she's like, oh, Hey is, is that a bathroom fan or, or what? And she, I'm like, yeah, that's actually, a, that's a bathroom fan. And she's like, well, like, why is it the hair? Why is it here? And I just went about just answering why the bathroom fans there and how it works and where it vents to and, you know, all this stuff. And she's like, Oh, cool. Just straight over her head. Right. But it's the information. It's always the information, whether, whether it's about God or, or it's about why the roads were built the way the roads were built or, or anything. It's like, look, you can just be a sponge of information and you're always going to have the honest truth. Mm -hmm. You know, there's never going to be, there's, I'm never going to withhold things, you know? And I feel like that's so important. It's just to just be honest with people. And so, mm -hmm. and so that's the foundation of, of what I want to be, uh, in my relationship with, with my, with my daughter so that she always has the space to say, you know, everything honestly and truthfully to me, because I'll accept that, you know, because that's the way we operate. And I think that and you show and you show interest in her. You're, she's asking a question and you're like showing that attention. And I, I think that's really important because kids are so curious and they want to know so much and understand so much and by answering those questions you are feeding that curiosity and that will just continue to grow her that's I think that's really special it's hard it's a lot of hard work to be an attentive parent and so I I think well, that's really I mean I, it's easy for me because that's who I am naturally but it's really hard when other people spend time with my daughter because it's like she's got all these questions and they're like, well, I don't like, what are you, why are you asking this? <laughs> you know? And she's like, well, I need an answer. <laughs> yeah. You know? As a curious person that asked a million questions, I'll never forget. I was, when I played water polo up at Marist college, we traveled to California. And so mom and dad went to California to watch us. And I'll never forget. I was in the pool looking up from the pool deck like they're standing on the pool deck and I'm in the pool and the coach is like oh yeah your daughter asks a lot of questions and I knew I bugged my coach he couldn't stand me but I'll never forget being like yeah I do like so proud of it that like yeah, yeah I want to know why things happen and why you want me to go over there so I can understand it and so yeah I have I, I know that can be difficult to be around so I have a lot of respect for you as a parent Nico that answers all those questions yeah. Because us, us curious kids end up growing up to be pretty amazing people. <laughs> it's so much easier just to tell you guys to shut up. Oh, shut God. up. Quit asking questions. So, so anyway. No, you so say that as a joke, Dad, but you 100% did that, just so you know. And you continue to still do that. Like, no, that shut up. Shut up. No, you know what? I got to tell you for saying it, though. That for his just bad. I never told you guys to shut up. 
did I tell you that? I told you to no, shut up. Oh, you shut the F up. Oh, you're right. You're right. We totally misquoted you there. <laughs> what? I really said that. Man, yeah, I gotta tell you towards when to give me oh, give me an idea of I, when when I would tell you. Isn't this the March perfect 13th, example? March 13th, 2003. Um, we were, yeah, no, it, it was it was absolutely it was I mean, and look, like it's not a it's not a fault. Like again, we come back to this cancel culture, and you you were growing and developing and learning how to be a parent, and you know, your life was in crazy flux and changing. And you were growing, you were changing careers, you you've developed so much as a human being. I, I just think about how much you've developed in the last five years alone. Yeah. And and so it's like it 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 isn't the thing that ruined our childhood or anything like that. It actually in so many ways inspired us to be the type of parents that we are today. Um, so it's, I mean, I don't, I don't want you to take it oh, like, you know, let's be the opposite of how our parents were and be amazing. Cause our parents sucked. I really do feel like sometimes you guys think that we parented you poorly. And look I think at sometimes, well, no, I think that we had an amazing childhood and we're all very connected, but I think it's important to acknowledge that like, we don't have to have comparative struggles. We don't have to have comparative suffering. Yeah. Like just because we had a great childhood doesn't mean there weren't some things that were difficult that we're trying to overcome in our relationship with you and mom as adults. And, and for me personally, because I can only speak for myself personally, So this next part of the podcast, I really struggled with deciding whether to keep it in the episode or not. But just like family, sometimes conversations can be awkward or difficult. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to leave it in and keep the podcast as authentic as possible. You're going to hear me struggling emotionally to cope with some background noise. Um, But I fully recognize that life happens and my family is volunteering completely to do these episodes amidst the challenges of life. And so, you know, there's noise in the background, but it's during a time when I'm being very vulnerable. And so I hope that this is just an example that family is challenging and communicating is challenging, but it's really possible. And so hopefully, you know, in the next few minutes, you'll understand what it is that I'm talking about and see that we can overcome our struggles and we can communicate and stand up for ourselves without harming other people. Um, my, my biggest struggle was not feeling heard, was not feeling important enough to say what I was struggling with. And you know that that's been something that as now like a grown ass adult, I've talked to you and mom about. As a teenager, there were so many things happening in our family's life that I felt this for what, for many reasons, right? Like my personality, the way that our family structure was. Will you mute? Dad, in a house full of rooms, is it possible for you to go to another room? Literally, this is a podcast that's being recorded that I'm going to push out to everybody. I don't want to have mom in the background talking to the kids. Okay. Uh, Okay. I think, so just, just going back to that, 
like it's a it's an evolution of relationship it's a changing and growing thing you yeah. you created me you parented me and i'm a very like empathetic and understanding person so i can look back and say oh i know why these things happen and i know why i became that way and i have healed from it but it doesn't change that we still acknowledge that those things happened like i there were there were so many things happening in our family's life that i the lessons that I learned from the way you parented was that I, my, my needs weren't important enough. And whether that's what you intended or not is irrelevant because that's what happened. And so I think the thing is, is that now as an adult, I've been able to come to you and say, Hey, I feel this way. Help me not feel this way or help us change this relationship we have. And we have, we've changed it and there's been healing. And 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 that's, yeah. And you've both, and everyone, this is our entire family. You, everyone's grown from those conversations and it comes mm-hmm. back to having those conversations. That's, the, that's how you grow. That's how we grow as a culture. That's the, the, and if we just cancel things, like we talked about civil rights, queer rights, all of these things, these things developed and we got, we, we grew this, this, this idea by having conversations. And when we shut the conversations down, that's where we fail as, as a society is when we shut the conversations down. We cannot do that. We have to have mm-hmm. them no matter how hard they are, you know? And look, there comes a point where you're like, all right, look, you just continue Kanye West. You continue just to propagate hate. Yeah. Eventually at some point, people got to be just Harvey, you know, there's like, you know, we can talk about all these different people that, that have done awful things. And, and actually like Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby, that's like a totally different set of justice that, that yeah, yeah. Right? like it's, it's, it's different, but like Kanye West is a really good example. Kanye West hasn't like physically assaulted people or, you know, done things like that, that I know that anyone knows of. Right. So, but he, what he says propagates hate. So it's like the, it's, it's a similar thing to like Donald Trump, right? Like they, they spew things that are just that, that, that set us back. Right. And, you know, that's, I think that that's the direction of, of the conversation that we started with to like circle back to, to there, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think so. I think that it all, it's all connected and that we, we just have to continue to have those hard conversations, which is why this podcast is great because it's an example for people to see that it's hard. It's, and it starts in the family structure and and it starts in the family structure. Mm -hmm. And, and like, we're just giving this example that this is our family. And these are some of the examples of things that we've gone through, but it starts in the family structure. And, um, number one, more than anything. And the greatest thing that you could have ever done as a man, dad is, is love our mom and, and be there. So, I mean, no matter what you, 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 you win that you were, you showed up every day, you showed up to all those sports games you, you, you gave us every opportunity in life. You made us incredible athletes, not just genetically, but through sheer willpower. And uh, no matter how hard that, that was on us and things we had to di- digest and dissect as, as growing adults is, is a whole different thing. But I fully believe and I love you because I know you did your best and you were dramatically different than your dad. Um, and in so many positive ways. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I know you did your best and that's why we love you so much. And none of what we ever say is to, is to hurt your feelings. It's to have these conversations and they're tough. There's friction, but when there's friction, there can be growth. And you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's, that's the most beautiful part about being a family is when you show up and you love each other 
even when you're wrong, even when you disagree, you still love each other. And, and I, I do appreciate that we always had our family uh, together there, you know? And, and having hardships is a part of life, like struggling to handle it's the best part. I know the like shit that life throws at you. That's hard. And I think my teenage years were some of the hardest years of my life. And for whatever reason, that's what I took from it. And then that's how it happened. But because we have such a good relationship, like you can't change that life brings shit. You can only like change how you react. You yeah, can only you change, can how you change how you react. And so I think that like, just because we've, we have such a good relationship as a family and we've chosen to stay close together and to accept each other. Um, it's resulted in these amazing and beautiful relationships. And that is, a, that is like Nico was saying, I think that's a testament to the foundation of our family, which is you, dad and, and mom and your relationship and how it's been continued to be an example of like life is hard and crap happens, but you choose each other and you choose to work through it. And that's what I grew up learning. Like, I mean, I don't know. There, like you said, Nico, there is a point in life when things have to be like, no, this isn't changing. There's no room for growth here because the other person isn't willing to to have those conversations and learn and grow and change. But I think because we are a family, we've done that for each other. It's a hundred, a hundred percent. And and I don't think we just do it for our family. We learned how to do it in our family. We grew up, you know together is the four of us listening to each other's opinions and philosophies. And, uh, you know, I think one of the th- the biggest things that, that I have memory of is, um, playing each other's imaginary games. Someone sets the scene, someone sets the, sets everything. And we, we join in that person's imaginary game and we all grow our imaginations together and we let that person lead. And as children, we learned how to be leaders and we learned how to be followers. And I think that that's, uh, something that we execute in our uh, daily lives. You know, I always think about it like this. Uh, I always consider myself the coffee filter, right? And uh, when I'm when I'm at work, people are always throwing their grounds in. You know, throwing all all this tough, coarse stuff right into the into the filter, and then they pour hot water all over it, and they're just angry and they're steaming. You know, and and they pour that hot water, and it's my job to make that a delicious treat, you know, to make that something that gives us energy, that sustains us, that fuels us, that is, that, that tastes good. It leaves a good taste in your mouth, right? That's, that's my job is, is a, a manager or a leader in a company is to, is to take all of that tough stuff and, and make it something that's sweet and soft and delicious. And, and that I learned that in our family structure, I learned having those tough conversations and being able to absorb people's opinions without taking things personal. And, and that's an important thing that, that, that you have to learn as a human being to have empathy and to accept other um, perspectives. Well, any last thoughts, anybody, any uh, hot topics you want to share before we close out the podcast? One last thing that I do want to say really quick is that, um, and I think that we are taking just like a total bird's eye view on all of this. And I, mm-hmm. I just want, I want to really acknowledge that because we talk about how this stuff has to happen in the family structure. Um, and we're grossly underestimating just 
how poisoned the family structure in the United States is because of things mm-hmm. like the prison industrial complex and the military industrial complex and, uh, you know, prisons for pro- just all of this stuff. There is, it's, there's so many complex layers of intersectionality that we're not even beginning to address, but we are trying to do this on just such a small personal level um, to, to whoever's listening that, you know, look, this is our experience and we love sharing our experience because we love each other. And I'm sure that there's people in your life that you love and and that you share your experiences with. And this is an awesome segment on just listening, being Mm -hmm. supportive and having those hard conversations, even when it sucks, even when you're yelling at each other and you have to take a break and you have to come back. That's, that's what loving people is all about is helping them grow and, and growing yourself and giving everybody space to do that. So that's just kind of my last thought on it. Oh, thank you. And thank you for that perspective, because it's very true. It's very true. This, this podcast is relevant to a certain population and is not necessarily accessible for many, many, many people. So, you know, I appreciate that perspective for sure. Uh, Dad, any last thoughts? No, I'm good. It was all good. Well, should we like in typical? Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, In in typical fashion, should we all share one quick hot topic, uh, current event, current news? Yeah, I'll I'll share one. All right. In the last week, we've had that, and it's impacted my school a little bit. We've had seven kids have been shot in the last week at three different high schools and like just outside the high school. So they don't qualify as a school shooting because, you know, they're on the street outside of West Mesa or they're on Odalia Mm -hmm. outside of Albuquerque high, or they're in the park, you know, or whatever. And, and I got to tell you, man, it is so ridiculous how we don't, we're not, they don't do anything about it. They're not, I don't know, man. I just don't know what to say about it, but yeah, from my perspective, it's very frustrating. Yeah. And painful dad, because you deal directly with students that are emotionally affected by that. And yeah, um, that's, that's hard. Mm-hmm. And what is the answer? I have no idea. I, I hope that we can find people that are trustworthy to find those solutions though, so that we can find an yeah. answer. Um, cause that's, that's scary that it's escalating and, and I don't get, I can't imagine it's going to get any better. Well, you know, that's, that's, uh, it's, I, I think about it like this is you're, you're an incredible, uh, you have an incredible mind. You're an incredible leader. There's, there's, there's gotta be a place where you can create some type of influence. And you do that on a daily basis. I understand that, but on a, on a larger scale, there has to be a way, you know, I, I think this is one of the big things I took from Obama, uh, going from, uh, you know, a community organizer to, to the president of the United States was that, uh, great people walk among us every single day. And you're mm-hmm. one of those great people and you have the, the power to, and, and the ability to, to impact not, not thousands of lives like you do every day, but, but millions of lives, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I hope you, I hope you understand that. And the pain that you're feeling right now for all these children, it can be, can be the kickstart to, 
a, a really successful opportunity to to change the state of New Mexico, which desperately needs some support. So, but great. Yeah. So really, that's a really tough topic. Uh, you know, I was going to talk about just, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of sidestep it a little bit, but my, my prayers and whether you pray or, you know, you believe in Buddha, God, or, you know, sweet, I don't know, potatoes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Say, send send every single bit of good vibration to to Ukraine right now because mm-hmm. they're in it. They're they're in it, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, no matter what, no matter what that's about, you know, this is the 21st century, and we are at all out war um, mm-hmm. over there. And and I just, you know, for all those children, all those innocent people that have no part to play in any of this, uh, you know, I just wish them safe safety. But mm-hmm. also supply, supply chain logistics and gas. Uh, that's my hot topic because I paid five seventy nine a gallon uh, to fill up to come out here to Lake Las Vegas from L.A. So, yeah. So I, I saw people on Facebook from back home in Albuquerque complaining about like three fifty nine or three sixty nine or something like that. And uh, I just I was like dying laughing because five seventy nine and. It, and I ain't getting cheaper. They, there is there by every report, we are going to be over $6 very soon a gallon. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think about it just, I don't think about it just for me personally, my own bank account. I think about it for, um, the fact that groceries are more expensive. Um, yeah. you know, you know, materials are more expensive. Buying anything is more expensive. Uh, you know, all around, you know, the, the costs just continue to stack up miscellaneously. And, uh, it, it is, uh, it creates a, a very different challenge, um, currently coming out of, uh, you know, this COVID situation, mm-hmm. um, that is, that is re- very, very, very complex. And, you know, and I work in an industry where we have to move things often and, uh, mm-hmm. the price of gasoline, it has a very dramatic impact on us. So, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting challenge. And I hope that uh, our government is able to continue to find solutions to, to keep these costs down mm-hmm. that are not, that are not building ginormous pipelines through uh, native American territories. <laughs> so, you know, I hope we can, we can find different alternative solutions to, to these issues. Um, I wanted to bring up a, term that I just recently learned has nothing to do with either things of what you guys brought up. Um, it is, it, I was listening to the New York times podcast like two days ago or something. And they were talking about, uh, this campaign rally thing they went to in Texas. And, um, the term is rhino. No idea. Dad's, dad's nodding his head. Cause he knows what that is. Nico, do you know what the term rhino means? No idea. Okay. So like, I just think it's so interesting, these labels and then it happens on both sides. Like it's just a multi-side issue of everybody problem, but like, why are we creating these labels to call people and like put and categorize people into, and that's so a rhino and maybe dad might know more, but in this, in this podcast episode that the people were calling, um, Oh my God, now I'm having a brain fart on his name. R I N O. So it's not R H I N O. No, it's not R-I-N-O. like the animal rhino. It's a Republican rhino in name only. Yeah. Okay. Republican so it's a, in name only. 
so this topic was specifically about who's the um the man the with the 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 war veteran who has the eye patch. It starts with a look like a man. What Dan uh Dan Dan Dan. I don't know who you're talking about. Why is it blinking my mind? Okay, I'm gonna look it up while I'm talking. Anyway, so these these rhinos are Republicans who say they're Republican, but then like when they're elected and they don't do anything that Republicans want. And so it's this battle within the Republican Party between kind of like like more um uh like more centered Republicans versus like far right Republicans. And so the the far right have Moderate, created yeah. this moderate that's the word thank you like moderate republicans to um the far right republicans they created this term uh to like label um to label these these moderate republicans dan crenshaw dan crenshaw is his name yeah so they talked about dan crenshaw specifically and how they went to this place and um uh, and it wasn't even in Dan Crenshaw's district, but they went there specifically to talk about D- Dan Crenshaw to get people to see him as a rhino. And these people, like they interviewed them going in and then they interviewed them coming out and they supported Dan Crenshaw before they went in. And then when they came out, they're like, well, yeah, he's a rhino. And they're like, oh, tell us more. And they're like, well, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's got to be a duck. And they're like, oh, well, like, is there anything specific that you think that he's not like representing Republicans on? And they're like, specifically, I mean, you know, he's just a rhino. Like, and it it was like shocking to me that these people just say like, they just latched on to this term and they latched on to the fire and the expression and the excitement in this, in this, um, propaganda, the propaganda and the, yeah. And propaganda. And I just thought it was so interesting because it's kind of like, well, Dan Crenshaw by any means, like is a Republican. I mean, why like, like, so, so it's that cancel culture. It's that cancel culture thing. Okay. First off, first off, you're, you're going to, in the coming, in the coming, two or three years, you're going to hear the term dino, Democratic name only, because a lot of Republicans are switching affiliations to run for office. Okay. And it's, and in, in a lot of ways, it's what happened in the sixties and seventies when Democrats, they weren't, they weren't, Republicans were running the country. And so Democrats became Republicans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The other way around. Democrats, Republicans were running the country. So Democrats, became Republicans. No, no, it's kind of the opposite way. Sorry, a little bit confusing myself. But you you, you switch party affilia, affiliation so you can get elected. It happens a lot in New Mexico. Not a lot, but it happens in New Mexico where a person who's a Republican will run as a, a Democrat. Democratic name only so they can win the elect win their election. Okay. And and then and then you know their true colors come out and maybe they get elected re-elected or not or not. It doesn't matter. First off Dan Crenshaw is, if you were to put a time a line out there, would be right of center. He's a moderate. But the funny thing is, is that pretty much everything Dan Crenshaw believes in, I believe in. I really like Dan Crenshaw a lot because he, he doesn't he's not over the top ridiculous, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he but he believes in pretty much all of the conservative things I believe in. For somebody yeah. to call him a rhino is almost a joke. But that well, goes back to that same thing. They freaking don't understand the terms they use. It's cancel well, culture. It's ridiculous. And that's what I thought was interesting, that it really all kind of goes around whether, as a Republican, whether you believe the election was stolen or not. And so I think, like, 
I think people want to feel done with Donald Trump. And when I listened to that podcast and I heard these people, I, I really had this realization. And this is kind of the, the closer for the hot topic thing for me. I had the realization that we are not done with John, Donald Trump. We're not done with the people who supported him and the people who really continue to support his narrative. And I don't mean this as a way of saying like, F those people. Like I, you know, not by any means. I'm just saying that I think we as a country thought, oh, after January 6th, we were done. Like after January 6th and people stormed the Capitol and now they're, we're done. No, we're not. And that for me was like eye-opening. I was shocked and surprised and I'm glad I'm shocked and surprised because I choose to believe the best in people. And so I had hoped that we were done, but you know, we're not. So the next election is going to be probably uglier than the last, which is scary. But you, you know, Annalise, what, you just, what you just said, you know, back in, in January of 2021, uh, I kind of thought maybe we'd be done with Obama. So it's the same thing. What you just said, are we done with Trump? Are we done with Obama? I, I mean, I, I kind of thought, what do you that mean? but he, Wait. he, he continues to be out there in the public just like Donald Trump is. And, and I'm, I'm done with all of them. <laughs> like I'm so over all of that. Like I just want our country to make sense of, of, of everything that's going on. And it doesn't, none of it makes sense. Even the way we're handling Ukraine right now. I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. Why, why are we, why did we even shift? Why are we not using our own oil instead of Russia's oil? Why are we allowing things to happen the way they are? And, and let me tell you what, social media, thank God there's a little bit of it in, in Russia, but, but I, I, I have somebody that has a direct connection to Russia and the people in Russia martial are upset. Law. It's martial that, law there. It's, 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 the people, it's, right. It is martial law right now in Russia. Yeah. In, uh, so much of what Putin's doing is, is it has absolutely nothing to do with politics or, or any of mm-hmm. that. He, he is openly creating his legacy for the next, you know, whatever thousand thank years you. to be, rem- to be remembered as one of the great czars of Russia. Thank you for and, saying and, that, Nick. And it's, 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 a, it's scary. It's scary that someone can have that type of influence over such a prolific country um, to, to propagate hate and, and violence. And, and, you know, what's, what, what terrifies me is that, is that we have the ability to le- elect a leader that, that can, proliferate the same type of hate and violence. And that, that scares me as a citizen of a mm-hmm. great nation that, mm-hmm. that that is possible. And we saw that with the storming of the Capitol and, mm-hmm. and, and all of that, 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 that type of hate and violence lives amongst us. Um, well, and, and, and the biggest difference is, is that Putin was not elected. He was not chosen by his people. He does not represent the people's views because they're not a democratic country. They did not elect Putin. However, and he doesn't have to. Country, yeah, he doesn't have to. Our country elected Donald Trump. And it's shocking the way you're putting it, Nico, is totally accurate. Yeah. Like people in power, people in positions of influence have an accountability to the movement that they can create. And just like Putin has the ability to just go and do whatever the hell he wants, I mean, look at what happened with the power of influence in our own country so yeah not just donald trump but many people have the ability to have a power of influence and so they have to be held to a higher standard and the thought of him being able to be reelected as a president or even to have the possibility of running as president again given what happened is shocking so 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 you're so you're blaming him for january 6th yeah what you're saying 
Okay. Not just so, him. Again, it's a everyone's entitled to a different opinion about that, but that's a whole nother conversation for hours yeah, that, and hours of time. Oh, totally. That's definitely a, a, a good conversation that I think I would like to have because I want to learn more about your point of view, which I think represents, you know, a large portion of people's point of view. Um, so I am open to the conversation, Dad, but I don't think it was just Donald Trump. I think it's a multi-layered problem that quite honestly, I could probably tie back to the family again. So, but you probably could. Are you guys leaving? Yeah. Okay, sweetie. All right. So I'm leaving we'll too. conversation. Yes. Cool. Nico, Thanks. Have, have fun in Vegas, man. I love you. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, Absolutely. Nick, that was awesome, dude. All right. You guys have a great day. Bye. Love have you. fun, dude. All Thanks, right, sweetie. Well, I love you. Thanks for coming. I love you, dad. Bye. Bye. If you want to hear more from The Good, The Bad, The Family, please subscribe. Or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MFT. Thanks for listening. licensed and trained marriage and family therapist, but this podcast is not a replacement for therapeutic advice. If you need help finding a therapist, visit psychologytoday.com to find a therapist in your area.